How are you doing? Good. Well, if you're uh, visiting with us today or if you're new to Grace Chapel, I'm James. I'm one of the pastors here. So today is our fall kickoff Sunday. So we had Sunday school going on at the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, and afterwards, we have a ministry fair. So normally our service would end about 11.45. Every preacher's dream to stand up here at 11 and know that you're the last thing. And you get about 45 or 50 minutes. But this is going to be a lot shorter. And everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, amen. amen. We're going to get out a little early, and we're going to have a, a ministry fair uh, in the fellowship hall, and we'll tell you about that at the end. But we're, we're kicking off the year today with a focus on Christ and community. And our vision here at Grace Chapel is to see lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so because we believe lives are transformed by the gospel, the gospel needs to shape and, and permeate Everything we do as a church, it's what we cherish, it's what we cherish most. It's what we love most. Because in it, it's how we come to know God as our Father. It's how we come into God's community, uh, the people of God, the church. And so we want everything we do to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today, very simply, we're going to look at just two things. We're going to ask two questions today as we kick off our fall year. What is the gospel and what does the gospel do? What is the gospel and what does the gospel do? And so to do that, we're going to be in Romans. We're going to look at two different passages in Romans. So turn with me to Romans 3. And then we'll also be in Romans 12. Father in heaven, be gracious to us this morning. It's a fun day. It's a fun season back into school, back into a typical rhythm, at least in our Western culture, a school year rhythm. And on this Sunday, we get to start new things. And while things are new, uh, in some sense, what we're doing still is just normal. It's old. It's us gathering together to sing your praises, to hear your word preached, and to delight our hearts in you. And we pray that you might be glorified this morning in all that we do, in all that's been done, and all that we'll do after our time here. We love you, Lord Jesus, because you have loved us, not for anything good in us, but because you're good, because you gave up your life for ours, for the glory of your Father in heaven. In your name we pray, amen. So look with me at Romans 3. I'm going to start in verse 20 and read through the first part of verse 25. So first we're going to look at the question, answer the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The Apostle Paul's writing, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Talking about God's sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Your Bible might say an offering or an atonement of sacrifice or something like that. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. We'll stop there. And then I'll read verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? 
is it, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is one of the most important paragraphs in all of Scripture. One of the most important paragraphs you'll ever read in your entire life. In this paragraph, the Apostle Paul really summarizes for us uh, what is at the core of the gospel. And we could sum it up with just a, in just a few points. One, we could say that we were made for intimate relationship with God, but we tanked it. Right? We have rebelled against a good and holy God. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Think about life uh, as if it were like a Grand Canyon, or maybe this is like a little canyon for me here. Uh, do you think I could jump from here to where the carpet changes, just back there, over by Bill Casey? Sure, of, of course I can. Maybe, maybe a great Olympian could, right? It doesn't matter how hard you try, how far you jump, you're not going to make it. Daniel, you're not going to make it. Steve, you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how hard you try, how good you are. No one is God. We sang a song, no one is like you. There's no one like you. You aren't like God. I'm not like God. We have fallen short of his glory. But here's the good news, Paul says in that paragraph. We can be justified, made right, made right with God by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. So the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived the kind of life you should have lived. He made that leap between God and man perfectly. He died the death that you should have died, that you deserve to die, that I deserve to die, in our place. And he rose again in triumphant victory so that we might be justified. We might be made right with God. Here's the reality for all of us. Everybody's trying to seek justification, right? Everybody's trying to prove their existence before other people. We might do that at our job. We might do that at our home. We might do that uh, for students as we go to school and we try to get good grades. We're trying to prove that we're worthy. But Paul says, you've fallen short, but you can be redeemed by Jesus. And the response to that, he says, is by faith. You receive it. You can't achieve it. You receive it, you can't achieve it. So that's how we're redeemed before a holy and a righteous God. So here's the gospel in a nutshell. I'm going to give you two nutshells today. Here's the first one. Christ for me. So if somebody were to say to you, how can I share the gospel with somebody? Well, you can do it in half a second in three words. Christ for me. Substitution. He was given up so that I might have life. He was given up so that I might not have to give up my life to pay for my sins. Jesus paid for them. Christ for me. So this is the best news in the whole world, right? I mean, this gets me like really excited. I don't have to pay for my sins. Jesus paid them for me to bring me to God, to bring me into right relationship with him. Best news in the whole world. But here's the good news of the good news. It's not just information. When we hear news, what do you think of? Information. I mean, my phone's down there. I scroll through Twitter and the news feed, and man, do I have a lot of information. And it goes in my head, and it usually goes in, well, one eye and somehow out an ear, right? It's just information. But the gospel is an announcement. 
It's an announcement that changes you. It's news that changes. It's news that transforms. It's news you cherish and you take in. You believe it, and then it, it does something. It creates something. So Paul goes on in his letter. He goes on for a few more chapters. You can read them. They're really good. But we're going to move to chapter 12. So turn with me to chapter 12. Because Paul is there going to show us what the gospel does. It creates something. Namely, it creates a community of servant lovers. Individually, but also corporately. So the gospel is an announcement. Christ for you. Christ for me. And it creates and it transforms. And so here's what Paul says. We'll go to chapter 12. We'll start in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I'm going to stop just for a second. Remember what he said before. All have fallen short of the glory of God. You're all on the same playing field. Everybody's bad. You don't just do bad things, you are bad. So you should not think more highly of yourself than you are. Because not only are you bad, but you've been saved by grace. We're all on the same playing field, not just in terms of our depravity, but in terms of our glory, in terms of what we are before God. We're beloved because of God and his grace, not what you've done. So don't think more highly of yourself than you are. Don't, don't try to justify yourself. Don't try to prove your existence. Be humble. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, although many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And I'll stop there before going on. The first thing Paul talks about in terms of what the gospel does and what it creates and is these things called spiritual gifts. So he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Be humble, remember, you're saved by grace, you're justified by grace. And then he says, in this community, God gives gifts. All these different kinds of things are happening. He lists some of them. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation. These aren't all of them, there's some of them. But what he's saying is it's in the community of faith, in this new community that the gospel creates, there's all this stuff that's happening that makes a difference in everybody else's life. That's a really simple way to think about spiritual gifts. It's the things that we do that make a difference in the body of Christ and around, and around the world. That's what a spiritual gift is. Now, you might be thinking your heart's beating really fast right now because you get really excited with this. Or your heart's beating really fast because you're thinking, I've never found my spiritual gift and I have to find it. Well, I don't think you have to look too hard, but here's three things that, that might help you in terms of where do I find what I contribute? Where do, how do I find the way I make a difference? Well, the first one is don't look primarily at yourself, but look at what, what needs resonate with you. Affinity. What, what do I resonate with? What's going on out there that I look at and say, I am passionate about that. 
Not necessarily what you can do, but what you're passionate about. What's going on in the body of Christ that resonates with me? Second thing is ability. What abilities do I have? What experiences do I have? What skills do I have? What am I good at? How has God wired me? The third thing is opportunity. What does this church say? Uh, what does this church say about what I might be doing or what I could contribute? Here's an example. Where's Lee and Gail DeGraff? Right there. So a couple years ago, Lee and Gail came into the church and they said, we've been a part of teaching and leading. Could we teach adults? And I was talking with Catherine Eckert and I said, you know, we, we kind of have adult teachers lined up for the year. And so Catherine went to Lee and Gail and said, would you consider teaching kids? And I don't remember your response, Lee, but they ended up teaching kids. They answered the call. This church said at this moment in our life and this season, we kind of have adult teachers. We need some kid teachers. Now they're starting their second year. They found a place. It wasn't their first place, but they found a place. Now, when we think about spiritual gifts, again, our heartbeat goes up, right? The heart rate goes up. We get excited about that. But notice Paul. He doesn't really care about what you're doing, but he does care about how you're doing it. Look at what he says. If prophecy in proportion to your faith... If service, in serving, serve. If teaching, then teach. If you exhort, then exhort. If you contribute, you better do it generously. If you lead, do it with zeal. If it's acts of mercy, cheerfulness. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't get bogged down when you think about being a part of a community and wondering, where do I fit? What do I do? Paul would say, whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart, with all your soul. Give, give. That's what the gospel does. It creates givers and not takers. It creates people who can say, I will give up for others and I will contribute in any way that's needed. Now he goes on. He goes on to talk about spiritual graces or you might call them spiritual fruit. This is a different spiritual fruit list. You guys all know the gifts of the, uh, the fruits of the, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, right? You know that. Here's a different list of fruit. It's very similar, but Paul writes it a little bit differently. So verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if spiritual gifts are what you do that make a difference, in the community created by the gospel, then spiritual graces are who you are. And oftentimes, 
our heart rate goes up when we think about spiritual gifts. But when we think about spiritual graces, we kind of cower and we think, I'm not that loving. I'm, I'm not nine through, I'm not verses nine through 21. Like Daniel said at the beginning, it's a lot easier to spend all our time reading the Bible, serving, seeing how long we can pray, doing all kinds of things. And what Paul says really matters is let love be genuine. The gospel creates servants, but the gospel also creates lovers. Paul's really concerned about us being a certain kind of people. That's what God's concerned about. God wants you and me to be a certain kind of person, a person who loves a person who gives. When our gifts outweigh our graces, we get everything backward and we start worrying about performance, right? We start to think we might be able to achieve or accomplish or earn, but that's anti-gospel. When our contribution starts to outweigh our character, we start to worry about, am I measuring up? Am I as good as Ken or am I as good as Mike or am I as good as Marie? I'm not contributing as much. Again, the point is the gospel makes you a new kind of person, a person who loves, a person who is sacrificial, a person who is kind and tender-hearted. Ultimately, love is what transforms, right? Because the gospel is what transforms. So what we do in all our ministries, while so important, is not ultimately what's going to change you and me and this church and the capital region. It's love. So that means our metric of success is love, which is pretty darn messy, right? How do you measure that? How do you measure if you are loving each other well? How do you measure if you are loving your family and this church community well? It's really easy to, to tell if you have faithfully led a Bible study for 10 weeks. I showed up, I prepared, I was faithful to the text. People kept coming back. It's very easy to see if you prepared meals. It's very easy to see if you have uh, connected well with missionaries. But if it's not done with love, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? You're just banging on a symbol. Love, love, love. So here's the second nutshell I'm going to give you. If the gospel is Christ for me, then the gospel-shaped life or the transformed life, here's three more words, me for you. Me for you. I'm giving up everything for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. In my teaching, in my generosity, in my leading, in my service, in my encouragement, whatever it is we're doing, I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to give up. I'm going to serve you. And I want to be a certain kind of person, not just somebody who does a lot of stuff. So now you might be thinking, okay, well, how do I get plugged in? How do I get connected? You know, when we came from Nebraska, we thought Grace Chapel was a little bit smaller of a church. And somebody told us, well, it's a lot bigger than the church down the street that has like 40 people. And I said, okay. And now, as I've been in it for three years, I think, you know, Grace Chapel is kind of a big church. And you might be thinking that same thing. It's kind of big. I don't really know how to fit. I come into this room and there's 100 or 200 or 250 people in here. How do I get connected? Well, one way to answer that today is the ministry fair. That's why we're having it. But we don't want you to just see that ministry fair as a way to get plugged in to do a job. 
If you were to, do, if you were to find a job this morning to do on a Sunday or any other day of the week through many, the many ministries we have, you'd miss the point. Because the point is for the ministry fair to really be an on-ramp for you to get connected to the body of Christ so that you might use your gifts, but so that you might mainly become a certain kind of person and love the people that God has put in this church family. That's why we're doing this. So it's pretty simple. We're going to leave here in about two minutes. And I want to encourage you to go in the fellowship hall. If you have to leave, that's okay, but I hope that you won't leave. I hope that you'll go in and you'll see it as an opportunity to engage with others. And everybody's getting up. I guess that was the cue. I didn't know that was the cue. We're setting up. Great. Thanks, Jenny. See it as an opportunity to connect with other people in a very casual way, in a very organic way, to find out where can I plug in to serve? But know that you'll be doing it with people that might sometimes rub you the wrong way, will sharpen you, will correct you, will encourage you, will challenge you in your faith that you might be that person who loves genuinely, who rejoices with those who uh, rejoice and weeps with those who weep, that you might become the kind of person who, like Christ, gave up his life for you so that you can look at the person sitting next to you, the person at home, the person in your office and say, me for you. That's what it means to be a Christian, me for you, because the gospel is Christ for me. And so I'm going to dismiss you in a minute into the fellowship hall. But first, I'm going to pray for you. Pray, we're, we're going to pray, and again, that, that as a community, we wouldn't see this mainly as, oh, I need a job to do, so that on Sunday morning, I feel like I can contribute in some way. That's not mainly what this is. This is mainly a way for you to assimilate and join with the body of Christ in all that's going on in the many different ways so that we might be a community that reflects Christ and what he's done for us and show that to a watching world. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that Christ was given up for us, that everybody's fallen short, and yet the gift of grace is that we can be redeemed by faith, by receiving, by trusting, not by anything we do. And thank you that the gospel creates a community of servant lovers, who serve everyone around them, who love, who give up their lives, their comfort, their convenience, uh, their uh, excess to spread, to spread joy, to spread wealth, to spread comfort, to spread encouragement. We thank you that the gospel creates that kind of community. And we pray that you would do that in us here, not just today, not just this week, uh, but always be turning us into the kind of people who reflect you, who reflect your glory. For your sake, Jesus, and for the sake of many who aren't a part of this church yet, that they might come to know you and worship you and delight in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to ask you to stand. This is going to be a benediction unlike any other. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go into the fellowship hall. <laughs> For God's glory, I do pray that you have a great week, and I do pray that this time together uh, is well spent uh, and beneficial to all of you.
Amen. Have a good day.